uh, in the Sikhs of the Rebbe, um, and again, 25 years ago, it changed uh, to include uh, Gimel Tamos that we're remembering now. But um, this is in volume 28, Chelik uh, Chofches. Um, over there, the Rebbe has a Sikha, which is which is headed Gimel Tamos. So, and then we'll see if we can apply it and relate it also to the Rebbe's, to our, to your site, as we're remembering in 25 years, too long, way too long. So, Gimel Tamus, he says here, was the day that my father-in-law, the Rebbe, was freed from imprisonment. And in many uh, years, this will come out next to the portion of Chukas. This year we're reading it in Shabbos, Parshas Koirach. But in the year that the Rebbe was speaking this, he said that some years, in many years, it comes out in the uh, Shabbos of the portion of Chukas, and sometimes in the week of Chukas, and sometimes in the days that are blessed from the Shabbos Chukas, which means that would come after the portion of Chukas in the portion of Bolak. But in this week's, this year, the parsha is uh, Koirach, actually. Um, so, but in that, nevertheless, in that year, there is a very known uh, statement of the Shaloha Kodesh that all festivals of the year, which includes also the festival that are ordained by the rabbis, are all hinted in the portions of the Torah that you read in the Shabbos in which they come out. So he wants to find a hint for this in the parsha of Chukas uh, for the redemption of Gimel Tamos. Okay, that's it. So he brings down like this, that in the redemption of the Rebbe, there were two general steps. On the third day of Tamos, he was freed from imprisonment. But then he was sent away to exile for three years. Only later on, on the 12th and the 13th day of Tammuz, he was totally freed. Including from being sent away. He went from, from exile. And then he was able to return back home. So it turns out that on the third day of Tammuz was the beginning of the redemption. And on the 12th, 13th of Tammuz was the completion of the redemption. Why do we say 12, 13? Because... Uh, the 12th day, they actually notified him that they were going to free him totally, but it was some kind of a holiday. The uh, offices were closed, so they couldn't give him his official documentation, so it ended up being the 13th. So that's why we call it the 12th and the 13th of Tammuz. That was the completion, the wholesomeness of the redemption. And for that reason, there is an advantage in the third day of Tammuz relative to the 12th and 13th day of Tammuz. Even though we celebrate the festival of redemption, it's been set for the 12th and 13th of Tammuz specifically. So that is the reason for that is because a festival and a joy, uh, open joy, is when you set it up when the completion of the redemption, because at the 3rd of Tammuz it wasn't yet completed. Similar, when we make a blessing of Hagomel, when a person... Um, goes out of imprisonment. So when did the Rebbe make the blessing, thank you of Hashem, the Bichas HaGoymo? Uh, he made it only after Yud Beis Tammuz, after the complete redemption. Uh, 
because you cannot make a bracha until you are totally left the danger, if you're totally out of danger, until you're totally healthy. A person, let's say, who was sick. So even though he got much better, but the blessing of Hagomel you'll make after you're completely healthy, when you go back to your full health. But that applies to when you can make a bracha, when we can celebrate. But the redemption, the concept of redemption, there is an advantage in the beginning of the redemption, even relative to the completion of the redemption. Because in addition, that in the beginning there is an advantage that you have to break through those difficulties. You know, every time to just get some, some break, that's very hard. Kolas kolas koshes. So that in itself, to begin something, is very hard. But in addition to that, that since when you start the redemption, you actually create a change. You, it's a totally opposite of exile, to, which is goalless to redemption. Especially in our situation, this change of the situation, at a very simple level, that was accomplished on Gimel Tamos, which means that the Rebbe was freed from imprisonment, especially in the circumstances in those days, in that country, in Russia in those days, and even to uh, go into a situation that you have to go to exile in a city, a distant city. So that was greater in many details than... The, so going out of prison to freedom was a lot more uh, eventful. It was a lot more impacted than uh, even the change and the difference from being in exile and then going home from the exile. Especially that even after the Rebbe came back home, he was constantly under the watchful eyes of that government, the regime, they were always, so the Rebbe wasn't really free even when he was back home. So, turns out that the change of going from freedom to, from imprisonment to freedom was a much bigger situation uh, for the previous Rebbe than even going home. And then it's known that the beginning of every matter includes the whole thing. So when you start something, it includes in it potentially the, the end, the entire thing. Like we find, sometimes, you know, we write things in a Russia Tavis, uh, which is uh, something which we find also in the Torah, Sapi Torah. So we see that the first letter of a word gives a hint to the entire word in a similar situation. So in a similar way, in our matter, that the redemption of the Rebbe is hinted and it's included in the beginning of the redemption of Gimel Tammuz. The Rebbe basically says that the third day of Tammuz was the day in which the entire redemption was hinted and is included. What was the general idea? What took place and the incarceration and the redemption of the Rebbe, that was all connected with the Rebbe's work of spreading Torah, strengthening Yiddishkeit, and spreading it out in that country, in the Soviet Union. Uh, 
So that type of work in those days, that required literal mysterious nefesh, literally self-sacrifice yourself. And even more, as mentioned many, spoken of many times, this was not just a giving up your life, mysterious nefesh, but it was a mysterious nefesh, giving up life without any limitations and without any considerations or calculations. If one would have started to figure out, to try to calculate, is there any chance, according to nature, to be successful in the work, or similarly, if you would sit and try to make a plan, there would be no uh, room, there would be no conclusion to continue with this work. And of course, how much more so, there would be no reason to give up your life for this because there was no chance of success. You know, there was no chance to be successful. And uh, for sure, the Rebbe would not have put in danger the lives of his students and his shluchim for this service. Um, and the way the Messias Nefesh, without any consideration, any calculations, we saw this openly by the Rebbe in the above-mentioned conduct, especially with his redemption on the third day of Tammuz. So that the date of three Tammuz, Gimel Tammuz, in connection of the Geulah, when we talk about the third day of Tammuz, that reminds us of his self-sacrifice, as we will see. The Rebbe said we can say that the, this, this, that the Geula, the redemption of the third day of Tammuz, is connected with this level of mysterious nefesh, such sacrifice, without any limitations, without any consideration of uh, a calculated uh, risk or benefit, is because the beginning of the redemption needed to express itself the general idea of this incarceration and the redemption. The Rebbe explains like this. The Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, the one whose redemption and whose celebration we celebrate on Gimel Tammuz, he related, it was Thursday. It was Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. We have to say it was the first day of Rosh Chodesh Tammuz on Thursday. This year, the first day is on Wednesday. That year, apparently, it was on Thursday because... Gimel Tammuz that year was on Sunday. This year Gimel Tammuz is on Shabbos. So we must be talking about the first day of Rosh Chodesh. So Thursday, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, it was before noon. So they, they informed the Rebbe that they're going to release him from prison. And for three years, he's going to be sent away to the city of Kastrama. And they let him know that during the daytime they are going to free him from jail and they allowed him to stay six hours with his family members and they warned him that at nighttime he will have to leave the city and he'll have to travel to Kastrama. That was Thursday. So the Rebbe asked, when will he come to Kastrama? So they answered him that he's going to come there on Shabbos. So the Rebbe said that on Shabbos, under no condition is he going to travel. 
And it was a great effort that they put in in the government circles and they were able successfully convince them that the Rebbe should be allowed to travel on Sunday, the 3rd of Tammuz, and until that time the Rebbe remained in the prison. He didn't leave. One who who actually was involved in arresting the Rebbe, said to the Rebbe that if you are not going to agree to travel on Thursday night and you will be on Shabbos to come to Kastramah, then we're not going to let you go out of jail altogether. So the Rebbe answered him that he is ready to remain in jail as long as it should take, but on Shabbos, under no condition will he travel. That's what the Rebbe's answer was. So, such a kind of a conduct to stand with such force, not to travel on Shabbos, really requires an explanation. The fact that he refused to obey the order to travel immediately to Kastrama, and they were ready to free him out of, from jail, and he was ready to remain in jail, so that placed the Rebbe in an immediate situation from a definite danger. He was definitely in danger. Now, as we know that from the beginning, the punishment was decided that they're going to uh, put to death the Rebbe. It was only through great efforts that they were able to change and they nullified that decree and they made it for a lighter first for 10 years and then for three years into exile. And even afterwards, so those who from the beginning had given out that the first order, they never changed their opinion. So in other words, the people in charge who originally uh, said that the Rebbe should be put, put to death, they were still in charge, and they still believed that that was the thing they should do. Uh, but they were forced from the higher uh, circles of the government so that while they were still in their uh, in charge, and they were still in force, but they had to sort of forego that specific detail, that that punishment and they had to free the Rebbe from jail. So it's understood that in such a situation to remain in their hands, those people who wanted to do bad, even worse to the Rebbe, to remain there in jail, this was literally Sakonis Nefashis. This was something endangering his life. Especially that this itself, that the Rebbe refused to travel on Shabbos, that made them even more angry. They get them even more angrier. Because this is rebelling their order and he publicized it in their prison that Shabbos, you have to keep Shabbos in a very public way. He publicized it. The officers, the uh, uh, people in jail, uh, the inmates... He publicized Shabbos in front of everybody. And they could not fulfill their plan, their plot, to cause the Rebbe 
that he should fall, so that he should travel on Shabbos. So on one hand, the Rebbe's refusal, get them angry, stay in their hands, be there, and to remain there, was a definite danger for the Rebbe. That was definitely. So that's on one hand. Consider that against the other issue. What is the other issue? So since he was supposed to leave Thursday by daytime, so the fact that he's going to desecrate the Shabbos was number one, wasn't right immediately. This was Thursday. He didn't have to desecrate the Shabbos right then. Number two, it was questionable. There's many questions. Because after being freed of prison on Thursday, he had still the opportunity from trying to convince them and uh, could cause them that, uh, that, uh, that, that he should not have to travel right away in that night. And even if he would not be able to be able to do this in such a short time to convince them that he doesn't have to travel, then so there was still 24 hours of traveling till Shabbos. During that time, there was still enough of opportunities to make a big effort that he should stop in the middle of the way till after Shabbos. There was other possibilities, which means the violation of Shabbos wasn't sure. The danger was sure, but it wasn't so obvious that he's going to have to uh, violate the Shabbos. And even if you sh- he would be, let's say they would force him that he has to stay in the train on Shabbos. So he would be an onus, which means he didn't do it deliberately. He did it. He was forced to that. And that would only be something which is prohibited maybe from the rabbis. Isur Tchumim, because he's going more than two Tchumim. So, finding yourself in traveling in the, in the train while the train is going, that's not doing work. If you're in a train, the train is traveling, that does not constitute work, so that's not violating the Shabbos. The problem of violating the Shabbos is that you're traveling more than a tchum, more than allowed a part that you're allowed to travel on Shabbos. But that's, they're forcing him. He's not doing it on his willingly. So, it's really very surprising why did the Rebbe place himself with such a force against traveling and he placed himself immediately in a situation of danger? The first thing what he should have done immediately is go out from the danger. Go out of jail. That's the first thing. And later on you should have looked for ways for various aids how he shouldn't have to travel on Shabbos. That's what he should have done. Why is he putting himself in danger and changing and staying in jail. So the Rebbe says, such a mysterious nefesh conduct you saw by the Rebbe in his whole approach to the work that he did in publicizing, spreading Torah, and strengthening Yiddishkeit in that country. As spoken many times, the Rebbe's self-sacrifice, mysterious nefesh, it encompassed not only those items which one is obligated to self-sacrifice, but also matters which are optional. He has the option is in his hands. Even more than that, we've spoken already once at length, his self-sacrifice was even in such matters that there were several great sages. And Chachma Yisrael, they were of the view that you should not give up your life for those matters that the Rebbe did. 
So when we are discussing the general work of the Rebbe in that country, then you can understand why he was in such a mode, why he conducted himself, because he saw that the situation of the Jewish people in that country was in such a way that the actual existence of Yidin and Yiddishkeit was in great danger. That it, was, it would be extinguished. God forbid, the Jewish lamp, God forbid, would have been extinguished at all. And knowing that his mission as a leader in Israel, that he has to worry about the existence from the Jewish people, the Rebbe, with his self-sacrifice for Yidin, he did not make, he did not consider any calculations, and he had no limitations. So that's, we understand, that the way he would run his programs in Israel, in Russia, with all this self-sacrifice. But in our particular case, since this is going, what we're talking about over here, has nothing to do, this did not affect the benefit of the many and the community. This was a question, it was a seemingly question about his conduct as an individual person. Shall he travel then to Kastrama or not? Why did the Rebbe, also in such a situation, put himself in such a great mysterious nefesh? The contrary, by placing himself in such a danger, he put in danger his entire work in spreading Torah and strengthening Yiddishkeit. Because God forbid if they did something to him. So the Rebbe says what we can explain this is, the point of this matter is, it wasn't a question whether you should or should not give up your life for Shabbos. But here the question was either to sanctify the name of Hashem or to desecrate the name of Hashem. The purpose of those who arrested the Rebbe was in order to disturb the work of the Rebbe in strengthening Yiddishkeit. Had it been possible that the Rebbe would not have immediately opposed his, uh, the, the order to travel immediately after his freedom as they wished, that he should go on Shabbos, this would have been a victory for them because the Rebbe agreed to travel on Shabbos. All those that would hear of the agreement, they wouldn't know the all above considerations that we talked about. That quietly they are making an effort, and we are sure that we're going to affect that the Rebbe shouldn't travel on Shabbos, etc. And as spoken many times, that when there is a question of sanctifying the name of Hashem or desecrating Hashem's name, it's not important that the matter what we are discussing, what the issue over here is, whether the prohibition is a serious, a very serious, or a very light prohibition. Only thing to take into consideration is what are the people around going to translate all this in a negative way. And this is, the Rebbe says, the connection of Gimel Talmud to the portion of Chukas. In the portion of Chukas, we read about the sin of Mei Meriva, 
the argument water where uh, Moshe and Adrin were punished because they were not allowed from that time, they were not allowed to bring, they won't bring the community into the land. So it's not understood what was it such a grave, such a serious sin that Moshe should not, because of that sin, not go into Eretz Yisrael. Especially the Torah relates about other matters by Moshe that Moshe was punished because of them. And yet, he wasn't punished in such a serious punishment. And it's specifically this sin, that change of beating on the rock, instead of speaking to it, that brought this very serious decree that he should not enter into Eretz Yisrael. The reason for this is, the Pasuk says, you didn't believe me to sanctify me by the Bnei Yisrael. Rashi explains over there that this is why this sin is more serious. Even when Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, can you shecht enough uh, sheep and cattle for them? Because that was a discussion he had quietly with Hashem. Hashem was the Pasuk sort of covered for him. But here it was in the presence of all Jewish people. Hashem did not cover for him. Why? Because he should have sanctified the name of Hashem. That means that when we are discussing a matter of Kiddush Hashem or the opposite, over there all what's important is how is it going to be interpreted by the other people that are saying it.